According to a new report from Newsweek, Lauren Boebert may have more than just reputational problems to worry about in Colorado. Because as Newsweek reports, there is a possibility that Boebert could in fact be charged under Colorado's public lewdness laws. And if that happens, there's a chance she might actually end up being labeled a sex offender. Now, the uh, specific law is 187301 of the Colorado Criminal Code uh, that stipulates, quote, public indecency is a petty offense sex crime, but does tend to carry lighter penalties, though, such as 10 days in jail and or up to $300 fines, in addition to potential probation, community service, or mandatory counseling. I got to tell you, mandatory counseling might not be such a bad thing for Lauren Boebert. However, in extreme circumstances, the article does point out that this, depending on the severity of the act committed and where it's committed, who witnesses it and so forth, it can occasionally come with the distinction of someone having to register as a sex offender. Unfortunately, however, it is unlikely that these laws are going to be used to prosecute Lauren Boebert in any way, because there are a couple of stipulations that people do need to be aware of. Uh, let me read this, this from the Newsweek article as reported by Raw Story. In most cases, such crimes don't lead to individuals being classified as sex offenders. The law also differs from indecent exposure, which involves an individually knowing exposing themselves to satisfy sexual desires. Lawyers have a difficult time proving public indecency, however, due to the broadness of the statute and the relative nature surrounding the act. Matthew Hand, a Denver-based criminal attorney, says that the law is, quote, vague and overreaching. Although a theater is a crowded public setting where a lewd fondling could be prosecuted as public indecency, it is unlikely that brief groping over the clothes while seated in a dark theater would lead to conviction. The acts need to have been, quote, reasonably expected to be viewed by others, and a jury must be convinced of that beyond a reasonable doubt. So basically, the reason Bobert is unlikely to be prosecuted on these charges, and I know these stories have been blown up the last, you know, 36 hours, which is why I'm talking about it, but the reason she's likely not going to be prosecuted is because there's not necessarily intent, right? If you don't have intent, you don't have a crime. So because their intent was not to be seen by everybody, because it was dark in a theater, which is a public setting, I don't know. I mean, kind of seems like doing that in a public place comes with the expectation that people will in fact see it. And I actually think a good prosecutor, cause I know Newsweek talked to a defense lawyer who's like, Oh no, no, it's nothing. Uh, I gotta tell you, I do disagree with that. Again, I don't think they're even going to bring charges against her, but I do happen to disagree with the defense attorney here because there is no, and this is what's pivotal in this case. There is no reasonable expectation of privacy. And that is a legal, legal phrase, by the way, no reasonable expectation of privacy when you are in a public setting, not to mention the fact that security cameras were in use. Therefore people did in fact see the act taking place, not to mention that there were likely children under the age of 18 in that audience, which could, you know, come with a little bit stiffer penalty there. 
Uh, no pun intended on the stiffer penalty part. But uh, yeah, Lauren Boebert could be facing some problems. And again, I think a good prosecutor, hell, even a decent prosecutor would be able to get around some of these issues that the uh, criminal defense lawyer that Newsweek spoke to brought up. But it's not all fun and games, folks. Lauren Boebert, of course, has announced that she has split with this man who was fondling her just days ago because she just learned that he's a Democrat. So, ugh. I don't mind getting felt up in a theater, but by God, I'm not going to get felt up by a damn Democrat, right? That's, that's where she draws the line. So it's a gross story. It's a very gross story that's not over. And we'll continue to bring all of the disgusting updates as they continue to pour in. On Monday of this week, former top Trump Justice Department official Jeffrey Clark, who is one of the 19 people indicted in the state of Georgia for attempting to overturn the state's election results. Well, he appeared in court trying to argue that he needed to move his case from state court to federal court because by golly, those things he's accused of doing, he did it in his official job with the federal government. And in order to make that claim in court under oath, they argued that Donald Trump, the president of the United States at the time, authorized Jeffrey Clark to do what he is accused of doing. Specifically, Jeffrey Clark sent a memo to the state of Georgia at Trump's direction, according to what they said in court Monday. Jeffrey Clark sends this letter to Georgia and says, whoa, 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 hold up on your vote counting there because we've got evidence of tons of fraud all throughout your state. Therefore your election results are in question. You cannot continue this and send electors to, to the federal government. No, 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 no. We got to We got to take a step back here. None of that was true. By the way, they fabricated this claim of rampant fraud in Georgia because they couldn't actually find any. So they lied in the memo telling Georgia to stop. Do not send your chosen electors. And Jeffrey Clark now argued in court, Trump made me do it. I drafted this memo at my office at the DOJ using my DOJ computer, which is why it should be moved to federal court. But I did it because the president of the United States told me to do it. Therefore it was in my official capacity and therefore I should be moved to federal court while I have a much friendlier jury pool and you cannot have cameras in the courtroom. This argument ain't going to stand. It didn't stand with Mark Meadows when he essentially tried to use the same kind of argument. Like, yeah, I was, I was his chief of staff and he told me to do this. So I did it. And the judge was like, I don't care. It's not part of your official job to do that. Just like it was not part of Jeffrey Clark's official job to go out there and interfere with a state's election with no evidence to back up any of his claims. Now Clark's argument here, his memo, he would be able to successfully argue that it was part of his official duties had they actually determined there was evidence of fraud to the degree that it could overturn the state's election results. But lacking that evidence, which Jeffrey Clark lacks, he cannot successfully make that argument. And of course, at that point, it becomes an issue of the Trump campaign, not the Trump administration and sure as hell, not the DOJ. So right there, I just told you he ain't going to get it moved to federal court. You lost. But the more important takeaway here, of course, is the fact that he threw Trump under the bus, just like Mark Meadows did. 
just like everybody else has done. You now have multiple individuals in Georgia that have gone into court under oath and said, that guy told me to do it. Now that does not lessen the charges against these people. It will not lessen the penalty against these people, most likely. And it's not going to change whether or not they get convicted. I was just following orders as we all know through history is not a viable legal defense, but what it will do is essentially guarantee that Donald Trump is going to be convicted here. Like I've got no doubt in my mind right now, based on the information that has come out, not just the evidence, but the testimony of everybody else indicted, Trump's going to go down for this. I do believe his legal problems in Georgia are the biggest legal problems that he is facing. And if everybody else continues to do what Clark has done, what Meadows has done, what Chesbro's done, then yeah, it's going to be damn near impossible for Trump to have any kind of viable legal defense in this trial. So on Monday, at Jeffrey Clark's hearing where he was trying to get his case moved from state court to federal court. There was somebody in that audience that really didn't have a reason to be there other than to just find out what the hell was going on. And that individual is a man by the name of Steve Sadow, who happens to be one of Donald Trump's lawyers. Now Trump wasn't in court yesterday. He wasn't a part of the hearing, but Trump's lawyer decided, you know what? Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to see what all this is about. Right. It seems kind of important. Want to know what this guy's going to say. And according to witnesses inside the courtroom at one point, while the judge of course was grilling Jeffrey Clark's lawyers, Mr. Sadow leaned over to the person with him. And unfortunately the reports have not identified that individual, but he said, quote, this is not good. Trump's lawyer, upon hearing how the judge was handling Clark's lawyers, upon hearing, of course, that Clark's lawyers threw Donald Trump under the bus and said, hey, Clark was only doing it because Trump told him to. At one point, Trump's own lawyer leans over to his person with him and says loud enough for other people to hear, this is not good. Um, that's not good. <laughs> I mean, the fact that we now know that you are essentially panicking in the courtroom on a part of a case that's not even related to your client. Well, it's related to your client. That was probably a foolish thing for me to say, but it didn't involve your client. Okay. Your client wasn't there. You had you know, really no reason to be there. And now that you went there, you've made an ass of yourself and let everybody know that you're now worried for your own client's future. You couldn't have screwed that up any more. The best thing to do, as I've said about Trump, as I've said about Giuliani, pretty much everybody, sometimes the best thing to do is say nothing. If you're panicked about something and you're a lawyer, you should know this, but I'll teach you anyway. You got your pad or you got your phone out taking notes and you mark a little note talk about what the judge just said that made you nervous. You put a pen in it and you talk to your co-counsel later on in private. You don't lean over to them in court, especially loud enough for other people to apparently hear you and say, this is not good. You may as well have leaned over and said, Trump is definitely going to jail. 
I mean, that's essentially what you're saying anyway. Why not just come out and say that? But if Trump's lawyers are freaking out, that's probably a good sign for justice, right? It means that they're watching as this judge handles these other defendants. And they know that if their weak legal arguments cannot pass the muster, then their even weaker legal arguments are not going to fly with this judge. They were hoping they could get in there, steamroll everything, throw out Donald Trump's idiotic talking points and everything would be cool from that point forward. But they are quickly learning that that is not the case. And this is not good. That statement tells us that that lawyer just had an epiphany in that courtroom that, oh God, what I've been crafting in my head, maybe the defense we've been talking about back at the office, that ain't going to fly. And now we don't know what to do. That's what that tells me. Now they've got time to come up with a new defense, maybe craft some new arguments, but if they've already lost their initial defense because of how scared they were with that judge on Monday, then I don't think anything they come up with at this point is going to be any better. Thanks for listening to today's Fair and Balanced Daily. Stay up to date with all of our content by finding us on YouTube at youtube.com slash fairandbalanced and follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at fairandbalanced.